Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Transition to Practice podcast series. I'm Justine Zavitz with Zavitz Insurance, and today we have Dr. Alan Gobb, who is a hematologist and general internist at LHSC, uh, as well as Ekta Kamani, who is an anesthesiologist at LHSC. Both Alan and Ekta uh, have a focus on quality improvement and patient safety. Ekta is the co-chair of the Anesthesia Quality Improvement for Fellowships, and Alan is on the LHSC Quality and Patient Safety Committee. Welcome. Thank you. you. Thanks for being here today. Thanks for having us. Pleasure to be here. So Alan and Ekta have both been in um, practice for a few years now. Alan, you were saying you've been four years now? Four years now. Awesome. And Ekta, two? Two years, yep. Great. And so I asked Alan and Ekta to be here today in order to uh, tell us a little bit about some of the financial decisions that they made both in residency and after residency, any regrets that they might have and any words of wisdom that they can share on building the dream team as I commonly hear them refer to it. <laughs> <laughs> so that, let's talk with you first. Um, when did you, uh, I guess, tell me a bit about your story, uh, where you went to medical school, when you made some of these bigger financial decisions. Sure, so um, I went through uh, medical school at U of T and I did my medical school there and then followed by my residency. And I guess I was just one of those um, physicians, residents that was just always so busy. There's always an exam to do, there's always patients to see, there's always call that I really didn't really know how to navigate the financial aspects and nobody teaches you this in residency at all, (laughs) at least not in Toronto, um, about how to manage the finances as soon as I graduated. Um, So I started my first year of practice and um, didn't know what to do with uh, these major decisions I had to make, didn't know what to do if I were God forbid I ever become disabled, didn't know what to do if, uh, in, in terms of incorporating. So I was, I was a bit of a newbie and uh, I had to learn and I had to learn fast because there's a lot of, uh, lot of discounts that are available within your first year of practice and things are actually much cheaper as I learned the hard way if you start off uh, planning this as a med student or a resident. Um, so I have a few regrets on that, but uh, I was able to meet up with uh, Justine and uh, Brandon, Brandon Gilbert uh, from Collins Barrow and we were able to sort things out and now I feel confident in my financial path. That's great and Ekta is it um, fair for me to say that there's a lot of other decisions outside of your financial life that has to be made when you're coming out of residency? Oh my gosh yes there's so many different decisions where you're going to practice so I actually moved uh, from Toronto I was at Sick Kids, and I had a job opportunity that was in my field of quality improvement patient safety in anesthesia in London, so I actually had to move cities, and I didn't know how that's gonna affect my whole planning, but I was really happy with uh, getting in touch with uh, Dr. Gobb, who put me also in touch with Justine and Brandon, and we were able to figure out a financial plan, but there's so many decisions you're making, where you're gonna live, uh, what career you're gonna pick, um, and you know, along all that is all the finances of it. So, um, so many decisions to make. So having that support early on really helps out. Awesome. And Alan, why don't you tell us a little bit about you and um, your schooling and residency and when you made some of these bigger decisions? Sure. So I, I made a lot of uh, decisions uh, a little earlier on, but I, I have a bit of a, a different background. So I, I was actually a, a pharmacist before I was a, uh, 
uh, med student or physician. And uh, I was lucky enough to graduate from pharmacy relatively debt-free, and I had a part-time job while in med school, at least for the first two years, which was a little bit of a, a steady income. Uh, unfortunately, med school tuition was very, very expensive, as was living in a new city, and uh, I ended up graduating with quite a bit of, of debt. And adding to that, having a new steady income, I probably spent a little bit irresponsibly while I was a med student, which is maybe a slight regret, but looking, looking back, maybe, maybe not so much a regret, but uh, I probably could have been a little bit more responsible with my expenditures back then. I don't think that's uncommon, Alan, so uh, don't beat yourself up over it. And trust me, your very first paycheck, you will want to spend some of that money, and you oh, should yeah. spend some of that money. You that deserve to spend well some. Hard, well-deserved money. I remember actually we had a um, tradition of going to the keg the night before an exam and just balling it with pre-exam steak. I can't believe I was, I was never invited to that, Alan. I'm a little disappointed. Well, actually, I didn't know you yet, so yeah. you would have been invited. I think you should enjoy, but I think as you progress through your financial, with, through your career, um, it is important to look after your, your financial matters as well. It's a great point. Great, great point. So, okay, so you ended up with quite a bit of debt there, Alan. Yes. And so uh, what did that do? What, what Did that motivate you into certain directions, I'm assuming? So it did. And that, that was actually probably the biggest financial decision I made was to um, was to automate my and force my my debt reduction and my financial my financial strategies. So up, up until actually up until I met uh, Justine and, and Brandon, who's my my accountant, I, I had pretty much just been free forming my finances and just basically hoping and praying that everything would work out because I had a pretty generous line of credit um, through through my bank and so I didn't really have a cap on my on my spending really because I could just get more from my line of credit and I think it was probably my last year of med school when I saw that my my line of credit was uh, you know in the six figures that I thought hey you know I should I should probably just cap this off and, and be a lot more structured and responsible and so that's uh, that's when I met you, Justine, and you you were my first member of my my dream team, and that's that's actually how I would suggest assembling your dream team. Is we we chatted, and um, the thing I was looking for in a uh, financial, not really role, I guess uh, mentor, financial mentor, we'll say, um, is that uh, you you have to be in sync and you have to be able to freely discuss and your, your personalities have to jive and your, your financial mentor really has to be able to take your life goals, your life situation into account and be able to personalize your financial plan for you. Yeah. Much in the same way that we as physicians uh, don't practice cookbook medicine, we, we customize for our patients your, your financial team has to be able to customize for you. And that's that's actually the one that, it was the main reason actually that I decided to go with, with Zavitz over some of the other insurance companies. And yeah. that's what, and then you plugged me into a bunch of other like-minded individuals. And I, I fully agree with that. I mean, 
you have to be able to get along with the people that you're working with because they're the ones that are advocating for your future, right? You're going to be busy seeing patients. You're going to be busy either in the operating room or in clinics. And the last thing you need to worry about is, well, who's looking after my financial goals? And is this person really working out for my best financial interests, right? And so I was actually with a different um, insurance provider and I never... I felt comfortable that they were really advocating for me. And um, through Alan, I was able to meet up with Justine and we had a conversation. And what I really liked about the conversation was that Justine was in her team were able to say, well, let's just see what, you're, what you have and let's see what you, what you absolutely need to have and what are things that you could get rid of from your previous plan if you so choose to. So I never felt the pressure to join with them. It was more to get an education from them. And that was something that I appreciated because everybody, as soon as you graduated, is keen to sign you up for everything, for everything but very few people are willing to educate you on this part of, of, of your career. Um, so I really was thankful to Justine and Brandon and the rest of my dream team for that education piece. That's awesome. Thank you. So there are a couple of things that were mentioned here that I'm going to come back to. So number one, Alan, you were saying that you kind of free-formed your finances um, until you met, uh, well, me and Brandon. Yes. And, and we, we both know that Brandon was the one who got you in line. Brandon really does help you get your stuff together. Um, so yeah, but you mentioned that. And so, you know, a lot of the time in my presentations, I start off with a really obvious comment, which is you either go about life in a planned fashion or in an unplanned fashion. And the same thing goes for your finances. And you might be surprised to know, you might already know this, but medical students now are given up to $275,000 as a line of credit these days. And I know when you graduated, Alan, and I'm not sure about you, Ekta, but I'm assuming um, that it was probably approximately the same, is that um, you were given, I think, up to 150, maybe 175 if you were really lucky. So yes. when Alan talks about the fact that he had hit six figures and was kind of in a panic mode, uh, some of the, the residents who are listening now might go, six figures? Psh, yeah. Nothing. Nothing. So it's even more important for you to be planning for these things because it's really easy for it to get out of control. And it's um, surprising sometimes to run into clients who have been working for 20 years and earning three, four, five hundred thousand dollars over the past 20 years who are still in debt, still have no savings. And I'm telling them at the age of 50 or 55 years old that they have to keep working for another 20 years in order to retire on a budget. So I want to retire, uh, I want to be like one of those people, I don't even know if they still have those commercials, but those Freedom 55 commercials, right, that you do, <laughs> it's like you're 55 and you can actually consider the possibility of retiring. Um, and this doesn't just go for med students, but it was so sad that I was working with a nurse who um, was in her 60s and still working because when she was going to pay part-time, they took away her pension option. So in order, so she only was able to secure a full-time position 12 years ago, and she said, I can't retire on that, you know, and I know it sounds great that you're, you're starting your new career, and hopefully you'll get um, a job right away, right after you graduate, but even because, and especially because the market is just so competitive for so many different fields that it's not uncommon for you to finish your residency and not have a job right away. Um, so it's important to plan for the financial uh, burdens that you may have right after you graduate and also so that you can retire early and 
you know, we always hear about things where, you know, a physician's doing great and then breaks their arm and their career is over. So learning about disability insurance early, if there's one thing that I am so thankful for is having disability insurance. <laughs> that is like key for me and a good accountant. Those are like the two things that for me are, are very, very key. So, Ikta, I loved hearing that you have the Freedom 55 goal in your mind um, because, again, all too commonly when you're newly practicing, you rarely are thinking about retirement or the end game, and so you're rarely planning that far out. So it, it's good to hear you've got that because whether or not you retire at age 55, yeah. you know you have the choice to retire at age 55. Exactly. Um, and you've been planning that way all the way through your life. Yeah. You brought up another point, Ikta, is... Um, who do you want to have on your dream team? What are the what are the biggest keys for, for you two? So you said insurance and accounting. Mm -hmm. um, and I have to imagine at some point um, as you progress uh, through, I know you're getting married soon, so yes. all your savings so, are just going into a bank account for yes. now until... Try and uh, have a small wedding, guys. Try and have a small... <laughs> control it down. Even Friends small weddings. Yes. Small weddings are still expensive. <laughs> they are expensive, so. yes. Um, Brandon, I'm sorry if you're here listening again. <laughs> Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I, I think eventually, um, I need to have somebody who can look out for investments. Um, I'm not quite there yet. So as there's two types of anesthesiologists out there in the world that are some that are risk takers and, you know, that go hella skiing and do bungee jumping. And then there's the other ones. Um, and I'm in the other category, which are very risk adverse. Um, so because I'm very risk adverse and, and that's how I like to, you know, uh, that's why one of the reasons why anesthesia was so attractive to me in residency, I also like to have that same mentality when it comes to my finances. I don't want to take any risks. And therefore, because of that, I make sure that I'm with people that are only looking out for my best financial interests and have my back all the way through. Awesome. Alan, let's get your comments on this. Sure, and I just uh, did want to mention a couple couple things, actually. So I'm the opposite. I'm, I'm very... <laughs> Very accepting of risk and risk tolerant to to a degree. Um, I have noticed that about you. <laughs> <laughs> so, but I, I do agree with the uh, investment piece, and of course, all of my investments right now are are mainly equity and aggressive growth. Um, and um, Mendy from from Raymond James is my investment advisor that uh, Justine plugged me in with as part of the dream team. Um, but despite the fact that I'm very risk tolerant, uh, disability insurance is yeah. one thing that I, I absolutely uh, must have. Because in, in my mind, the, the worst case scenario is my, my income for whatever reason gets taken away because I can't work. And then I have all this debt yeah, and that is, that is just something that I, I cannot, that, that would not give me peace of mind if that was the case. So. Um, I myself, even as a risk tolerant person, that's that's something that I will not scrimp on is, is disability insurance. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I also have critical critical illness for now until I can big up, build up a, a big enough nest egg that I can sort of finance my own um, critical illness insurance as well. Um, but that's that's one thing I will mention about that. And then you're still always learning, right? So I don't have 
as many members of my dream team as Alan, but even while I'm listening to this podcast and hearing what Alan's saying, I'm thinking, oh man, I need to get critical illness insurance, <laughs> and maybe I need to talk to you, uh, Raymond Jane. So you're always learning from people, and your and your peers are your best teachers because they've kind of gone through it, been through it, uh, done that, and they can kind of guide you. Zavitz is great. Uh, Collins Barrow and the team there are great. I mean, these are people that have spent just like you spent your entire time educating yourself about medicine they spent their entire careers educating themselves about the insurance industry or accounting for uh, professionals whether you choose to incorporate or not trust me you'd want to incorporate <laughs> you always want to incorporate but you know these are people who are experts in this field right and you want to go to the experts for financial decisions just like we'd want your patients to come to you for expert medical opinions awesome so again two things i'm going to pick up on there um, first of all, was was having the experts on your t- on your side, and um, people who specialize in what they do, just like you specialize in what you do. So those are those are themes that we always bring up with our clients. This is some of the areas where I might know a little bit about accounting. I know know a little bit about why you want to incorporate and when you want to incorporate, and same with investing and and different asset allocations and so on. I can talk the talk. Um, but at the end of the day, I'm always going to send you to the people who are the experts in that area first. And that's the same reason why we focus a lot of our attention on insurance rather than trying to be the jack of all trades. So the other thing I'm going to mention, Alan, you're saying you're a very risk tolerant person. And so I always argue with people who say, you know, I, I am accepting of risk. I will accept risk. You're not stupid about the risk that you accept. Um, there are risks that are in your control that you're willing to take, like... I'm saving all my money and hopefully in the long run I have more of it and that's why I'm going to go into aggressive equities. But in the meantime, as we as we look at this 20-year long-term picture of hopefully having you know a 10% rate of return, I'm willing to take the ups and the downs of the market. I can stomach that. Absolutely. There are risks that are out of your control like getting sick, getting hit by a car, exactly. breaking your arm, and that's why you've insured those risks. So I always say that part of my role is to identify the gaping holes that are the biggest risks to achieving your financial goals and filling those holes with insurance. And that's really what it's all about on the insurance side of things so that you can go out and take whatever risks you want to take. And then also, like, don't forget that these people who are working for you, such as Justine and such as Brandon, they're also not just working um, for, for you personally, they're also looking after your family. So uh, I have a partner that does have a chronic illness and uh, Justine was able to advise me that, hey, did you know that after you get married, you have six months to add him onto your benefits plan? And those are things that if I didn't have an advisor telling me this, I would never know this. I mean, I would never go out and they certainly don't advertise that. <laughs> um, so, you know, this is why you need experts because, you know, we are so busy with so many clinical duties that you don't um, have the time to do as much research as someone who is specialized in this field and who's not just looking after you, but looking after your family and your family's best interest. And that, that really is the key. Uh, I agree, Aitha, is that um, you, you want to assemble a team that is able to basically automate your financial plan for you. Now, it'll never be fully automated. There's always going to it's always going to require your input, especially with regards to your strategy and your goals. But once you've set that, you want to have a team that is cohesive and able to execute that strategy for you. And that's that's really the main reason why I, I took Justine's and Brandon's suggestions for further team members when the time came, 
is that I wanted to make sure that every part of the team was was working as one unit rather than yeah. you having to be the go-between between different different people. Yeah. I mean, it's always nice when, you know, I can ask Justine a question that maybe Brandon would have some input on. And instead of me emailing Justine and then emailing Brandon and then emailing somebody else, Justine's like, oh, I'll just talk to Brandon and we'll, we'll send out an email and I'll CC him on it. So it's always nice when people know each other. Um, certainly that's an advantage here in London. Um, I think also in Toronto that does happen, but you know, this is where it's important to do your research and find out who kind of works together and do you work well within that team as well? Do you fit with that team? Do they fit with you? And, um, and really building a team that's working for you and working towards your goals. And just to give a concrete example, I just did my corporate taxes, corporate year end. And um, Brandon, when it came time to the investment piece with all of the documents that go along with that, Brandon was just like, oh, I'll just grab everything from Mendy, no problem, don't worry about it. So that, that was like probably several hours that I didn't have to spend doing on my own. Yeah, right. and you know it's done accurately too, yeah. right? So that's the other thing. And the nice part is because Brandon does that so frequently for so many of his clients, um, it's not going to take him several hours to sift through it and figure out what it all means. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, guys. I, uh, I really appreciate, again, that you came today and spent the time to go through this. Is there any final words of wisdom that you want to share? Uh, yeah, actually, I guess to get more philosophical, um, I, the, the finances really are a microcosm of your overall approach to life. Seriously. I love it. You're, you're either kind of a leaf in the wind, kind of reactive and hoping that things work out for you, or you're setting goals for yourself and being proactive about what you want to achieve. And that's true in your finances, social, career, all of those things. So the way you approach the finances really, I feel, is a reflection on your overall life approach. And so if you, if you, if you don't want to be subject to the universe's whims, I would, I would highly suggest that you get on top of your financial life as well as those other areas as well. And you know, even if you are a leap in the wind, because I was a leap in the wind when I, I finished, you know, just, just connect with people early so that you know if this is something that you want to change in your life that you don't miss out on the discounts that you get in your first year of practice that you don't miss out on all the things about knowing you can add your partner six months in, into getting married onto your insurance plan so you know if, if even if you were the type of person like myself who never paid attention to finances it's not too late you always are around people that are there to support you Justine Brandon uh, Raven James great people to work with yeah and and with that you're exactly right Iktha. I get the opportunity to see so many different types of clients and so I, I do see that um, there are some clients who just have a handle on things and they call you up and they say my income's gone up and I want to increase my insurance or I had a kid let's get some life insurance and there are other people who just say ask me the questions I'll fill in the blanks and then tell me what you suggest and I'm just gonna go with whatever you suggest and and you know really at the end of the day if you're looking after things yeah that's what really matters, but to Alan's point, you do have to have some sort of focus on this and, and um, proactive approach to your overall financial picture in order to you know hit your end game. And that's yeah. really what it all comes down to. Absolutely. Definitely. Cool, thanks you guys.